Okay. We'll try again next week. Uh, like Free said, my name's Logan. I am a leader here. I lead one of the life groups. Uh, I got a couple of my boys. Oh, in addition, Pierce, welcome. Got a couple of my boys up here at the front. They're all in my life group. Uh, like Free said, just a quick plug, next week is our life group launch. And life groups basically are just like discipleship groups. That's where you really get in with some community who have like-minded goals in following Jesus and being Christ followers at this age in our lives. It's where you study the word together with friends. Uh, you create lifelong relationships. Um, but that's going to be happening next week. We're going to give you all an opportunity to sign up for those. Uh, how's school going for you all so far? Y'all are like how many weeks in? Thumbs up, thumbs down, thumbs in the middle. Okay. Still figuring that out. Still figuring it out. It's okay. Uh, I'm really excited about this semester. Uh, I'm going to share just a little bit about some vision uh, that we have for y'all this spring. We're also going to get in the Word tonight, which is going to be good. And then at the end, we're going to have some response time, just responding to what God has spoken to us through His Word. And then we're just going to take some action steps. Um, if, so, if y'all wanted to do anything else besides that, sorry about it. But uh, that's what we're doing. But our ministry's vision this semester is find your place. I'm going to explain what that is, um, and I'm just going to set it up for you. As believers, we know, you know, Jesus died for us. He came down here, lived a perfect life, died on the cross, raised again from the dead. The reason why he did that is so we could get access to his Father, God. And now, whenever we have access to him every day, it gives us the opportunity to get in his presence talk to him, speak to him, hear from him, and then we get calling and purpose for our everyday lives. And find your place is, it's basically just, we want to use what God speaks to us and what we hear from him in order to feel uh, purpose on our mission every day. We're not, we're not trying to figure out what we're supposed to do. We're not lost, but we're living on mission. Yeah. Um, and so, this ministry exists to equip, love, and serve you as college-age men and women. We just want to be here for y'all. Uh, we want to do whatever we need to do for y'all to help y'all grow in your relationship with God. Um, so with that being said, tonight we're going to get in the Word. I'm going to pray for us really quick, so if y'all will, bow y'all's heads. We're going to pray. God, thank you for this group of people, these uh, college students, college age. We're just in a season of life right now, God, where we're, we're trying to figure things out. But God, we're asking tonight that you would speak to us about that that you would use your word to speak to our hearts and to our minds. God, that we would feel like we have a place in you. We have a place in community. God, I just ask that whatever we came in here with, we would leave it at the doors and we would just sit in your presence tonight. That we would be children of God, that we would just be here with you, not with anything that we've accomplished, anything that we've done wrong, but it's just us and you tonight. And so we're, we're ready. We're ready to hear from you. We're ready to hear from your word. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen, amen. Okay, we're about to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. So if y'all got y'all's Bibles, go into 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And once you get to there, we're going to go to 12, verse 12, and we're going to read through verse 27. So once y'all get there, give me a, oh yeah. All right. We're still working on it. It's the spring. <laughs> All right, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 12. Just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all its many parts from one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit, so as to form one body, 
whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. That's basically just saying it's the Holy Spirit inside of us that makes us all a part of this one body. Verse 14, even so the body is not made up of one part, but of many. Now, if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not, for that reason, stop being a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not, for that reason, stop being a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. Verse 21, the eye cannot say to the hand, I do not need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker and indispensable, and the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty, while our presentable parts need no special treatment, but God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. And if one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. So tonight, we're talking about finding your place. That's our vision for the spring. And we're going to look at what does it mean to have a place? And then we're going to talk about having a next step to get to that place. So the first one is, what does it look like to have a place? We're going to answer that. It's point number one, that there's many members, but individual callings for you. There's many members in this body of Christ, but you have individual callings. Just as we read, the body of Christ has got all these kinds of different parts. It's got the eyes, the ears, the armpits, the legs, the feet, the dogs. It's got the dogs in it. However, the reality is that the body of Christ is way bigger than just than us, this room. It's way bigger than just you. But the truth is also that the body of Christ is not the body of Christ without you as a part of it. Another truth is when Jesus surrendered his life on the cross, for he said this earlier, and he went through that gruesome death to die on the cross for us, he would have done it all over again if it were to be for just you. So I, I kind of want to think of this as an illustration. It's kind of weird, but just follow with me. When you were kids, uh, adult, an adult probably walked up to you, and for no reason, they walked up to you and they just grabbed their nose. They grabbed your nose and they started walking away with it. You might have chased them. You were traumatized a little bit. I know for me, I was freaking out. I was thinking, what am I going to do the rest of my life without my sense of smell? Uh, this is one of the main five senses. Uh, there's no way that I'm going to have the glorious smells of life anymore. It's all came to an end. Uh, Dawn's no smelling CCRs when you walk in there. Think about that. Uh, and then eventually the adult gives it back because you cry too much and he's like, oh, I don't want to traumatize this kid. Um, but to think about it in a weird way like that, I want us to also think about the body of Christ. So the same thing happens whenever one of us decides we're going we're gonna to move away from the things of God. It's like, well, there goes the nose. <laughs> like there goes that part of the body. But the same, a different thing happens whenever we decide to turn to God and we're like, hey, I'm offering myself 
to surrender to your plan, to your will for my life, the body gets a piece back. The body becomes a little bit more complete. I know that's a really silly example, but I want us to think about it like for you, for you as an individual. When you recognize that Jesus died for you and that God created you for a purpose, God chose you where you are today. For me, I'm in good old Conway, Arkansas. Like that's where I grew up. But he chose me to be here for a reason as a part of the body. So when, when you realize that for yourself, then you are ready to begin a walk that's distinctual, that's specific, that's individual to you and your life. So what did this look like for me? I'm going to explain it a little bit. Thanks for asking. Uh, my story is I grew up in Conway, and whenever I came to college here, I had those things figured out. I knew Jesus died for me. I knew that he wanted a relationship with me. I knew that God had a purpose for my life and that he put me here in Conway for a reason. So if that applies to what I said a second ago, that there's this perfect plan for me as an individual, doesn't that mean that I walked it out, right? Like I did that immediately. No, let me tell you what I didn't do, and that's that. I decided I was going to do my own thing. I was going to listen to what people thought I should do, people's purpose for my life, people's desire for me to do for them, rather than what God wanted for my life. So I'm going to give you a little bit of a sample of that. I started going to UCA, and I felt, for me, it was like, I kind of want to do ministry. Uh, that may not be for you. I get that, but I don't want you to count yourself out of this. For me, I was like, I think I feel called to ministry of some sort. I don't know what this is going to look like. I'm just going to start serving. However, because I didn't know where to start, I started to look at people, and I overvalued what they said about me and what they were teaching me over what God was saying about me and what God was trying to teach me then as I was starting. So with that being said, let's look at the second question. How can we take a step in finding our place? So point number two is we must mature in God rather than maturing about God. We have to mature in God rather than maturing about God. I know that sounds very, it can sound churchy, but I'm going to explain it a little bit using my story. I'm going to go back to that. So I was overvaluing people's thoughts over God's thoughts and what he had already written about me in his word. I watched and did only as like I saw and only as I felt indirectly pressured to do from the people around me. And I wasn't listening to what God had already wrote about me, like what he was saying to me and what he wanted to speak to me in the quiet times. And so now I want to help you discern what's from people and what's from God. Like when we're figuring out our plan, what's from people and what's from God. So when God calls you to something, it may be hard. There might be difficult times, but guys, the yoke, what you put on in life, what you have to take on, if it's from God, the yoke will be easy and the burden will be light. It won't feel heavy like all the time that you're having to work so hard to get things done that you don't feel accomplished in anything. If it's from God, the, the yoke is easy and the burden is light. If it's from people, not only can it be hard, but burnout is very easy and the burden is very heavy because it's not intended for you. So to summarize that, the call from God, the yoke, what, you, what is being put on you, the yoke is easy and the burden is light. The call of people, the yoke is hard and the burden is heavy. And scripture says in Colossians 3.23 that whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters. 
And the calling of God, it looks different in each of our lives as we, as we already addressed. We each have our own specific, specific part. Some people are armpits. Some people, oh, sorry. sorry. No, some people are eyes. Some people are noses, whatever it might be, individual for you. Uh, but I want to look at what, is it, what does it mean to mature in God as, for ourselves? Like, what, is it, what does it look like for me as an individual to mature in God? I'm going to give you three sub-points for that topic. But before we get into that, I just want to talk about the individual calling for yourself. You can go down two different paths before you realize these three sub-points. Those two paths can, like I did earlier, you can be forcing yourself to fit in the calling of somebody else, or you can be doing these things that I'm about to mention, trusting God and being dependent on him in these three things. So the first one and in what does maturing in God look like is you have to be about prayer. You have to be about it. You can't just like say, I know prayer is a good thing. Guys, this is something that I've struggled with for most of my walk with Jesus is being about prayer, not just knowing that it's important, but doing it. And guys, this last week with prayer and fasting, I realized how vital it is. I realized the dependence on God in it. I'm just going to explain a little bit about what prayer is for us. I learned this week, somebody was talking about it, um, that prayer can be explained as communion with God. And to dumb it down even further for people like me, Communion communion with God means sharing your moments with God. Like when we're praying, we're just sharing our moments with him. We're inviting him into those moments. I kind of want to mention just like a another stupid example of a time where I like try to compare myself to somebody else um, when it comes to prayer. Basically, I was at a youth night. It was here at the church. Uh, pastor Hunter was the youth pastor then. And I, this is my, one of my first weeks coming to church. And I remember the dreadful, all right, y'all break up, grab one other person, and tell them what you need prayer for, and then pray over each other. That happened to me. I'd only been going to church for like a week or two. And so, of course, I get put, because I'm sitting next to this dude, with like the most over-spiritual guy ever. Like the guy who does the most eloquent 10-minute-long prayers when it's just like you're trying to eat Don's, like that moment, and they bring in like everything else besides just blessing the meal. Like it's, it was that dude. And for the sake of the story, we're going to call him Jerry. And so Jerry, Jerry is like, I'm like, what do, you, what do you need prayer for, Jerry? And he said, you know, just trying to discern the next step in my life. We're in eighth grade. We're, trying to discern the next step in my life. I'm just trying to submit this next stage uh, and this next season to God, and I want him to, to direct my steps. That's a great prayer, but we're in eighth grade. I, I told Jerry, okay, I need prayer for my math test tomorrow because I haven't been listening in class. And so Jerry proceeds to pray first for 10 minutes about my math test. And I'm nervous this whole time. I'm like sweating. I'm like, okay, I'm about to have to pray. <laughs> it's about to be real awkward. <laughs> and so this whole time he's praying, I'm thinking about what I'm going to pray about. <laughs> and so I'm looking for like the most spiritual phrase ever. And once I find it, I like fixate on it. And so my prayer, my prayer sounded something like this. 
Dear God, uh, I pray that you open the door for Jerry. <laughs> God, as Jerry's going through this, this next thing, I pray that, that a door is opened. <laughs> we submit this door to you, Lord. And he, he wants you to direct his steps so he can find an open door. In Jesus' name, amen. But I was so focused on him, I couldn't even focus on praying. And that's the next thing that I want us to talk about in maturing in our relationship with God, which is not comparing your relationship to other relationships. We can't compare our relationship with God to others' relationship with God. It's easy to look and compare yourself to that person who's praying these eloquent prayers in the prayer circle, like somebody brings a prayer request and they're like, I'm ready. Let me get in there and pray for 10 minutes. It's easy to compare ourselves to those people. It's easy to compare ourselves to the person who reads uh, a thousand books a year. Or even my personal favorite is the, the person who never has homework and they just sit in coffee shops and do two-hour devos. Like, they might not be more spiritually mature than you. They might just be weird, honestly. And so instead, <laughs> instead of... Instead of comparing, just share your moments. That's how you mature in your relationship with God, is your, your relationship with him is your moments with him. He just wants to commune with you. He just wants to spend time with you. He wants to hear your voice and not your best impersonation of somebody else's voice. He wants to hear from you as his child. And the next thing that helps you mature in your relationship with God is helping others mature in their relationship with God. As we grow closer in our relationship, we can't help but like share the hope that we have. When we see fruit in our lives from the impact that God has had on us, we can't help but share that fruit and the sweetness of it with the people around us, our friends, our family. The hope is too good to keep it inside us. So some very practical examples of how we can help other people mature in their relationship with God is that we can invite them to study the Bible with us. We can sit down somewhere at our crib, wherever it might be, go to press and pour out in the foyer, a bunch of table space. We're just like, we're sitting and we're reading the word with people. We're inviting them to our small groups that we're in. We can serve people when we have the opportunity to serve them because it reflects the heart of God through you. And we can see that in 1 Corinthians, in verse 26 that I read earlier. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. We got to be people who are rejoicing with those who rejoice, who are suffering with those who suffer. That's a part of being a servant. That's a mature relationship with God, is, is walking in servanthood, looking for people to suffer with, looking for people to rejoice with thinking of others before ourselves. So we're about to go into some response time. Um, they're going to throw a couple questions up on the board. Screen. Whatever it might be. The big thing behind me. The first question is, how has God gifted me? What am I passionate about? And is there a place that allows me to use my gifts and passions to serve others? Question number two is, what is one area of my relationship with God I can mature in? Not something that you've seen 
I was convicted whenever I was looking at this question. Like I was like, what is something, what is somebody else's maturing? Instead, what, take an evaluation of yourself. Like where are you at? And, and what do you want to mature in with God? Zach's going to play some keys while we're thinking, while we're processing. And we're going to come back in just a few minutes. Y'all journal, pray to God, ask him what he has to say about these things.